Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast. At Netflix, our teams had never had engineering levels. Everyone was a senior software engineer. Last year, that changed. We introduced levels across engineering. Since a lot of our companies do have levels, we thought it'd be a great topic to discuss on this episode. Let's give introduction of today's panelists. Stacy, you want to start it off? Sure. Stacy London, principal of front-end engineer at Atlassian. Uh, Augustus Yoon, software engineer at Twitch. Jem Young, engineering manager at Netflix. And I'm Ryan Burgess. I'm an engineering manager at Netflix. In each episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast, we like to choose a keyword that if it's mentioned at all in the episode, we will all take a drink. And what did we decide today's keyword is? Growth. Growth. Growth, which, you know, when levels are talked about, usually growth comes up. So I'm pretty sure we're having some drinks on this one. I mentioned at the top there that, you know, Netflix, we've gone through that we now have levels. Um, Stacy, Augustus, do Atlassian and Twitch have levels as well? They yes. do. Yeah. So Twitch is owned by Amazon. So we kind of inherited their um, organizational structure and how they rank and level people. So yeah, so we definitely inherit a lot, a lot of those. Uh, Augustus, do you know that if they had levels at Twitch before Amazon purchased Twitch? Um, that's a good question. I think there was a sense of leveling, but not in the sense like, so a lot of big tech companies will have like numerical one to five or something like that. And I think Twitch kept it pretty simple before Amazon came in. Like they had software engineer and senior and that was really it. Not, I don't think they really had a sense of principle, uh, but honestly, I wasn't there back then. But definitely when Amazon came in, a lot of those processes came up. Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, Atlassian has always, ever since I started, there's always been multiple levels. Um, they have done some like reassessments over the years to like add levels or like clarify them. Um, so it starts off with like, and they, they call them P levels. Um, P30 for just uh, like engineer, sort of like junior engineer, just out of school, new grad. Um, P40, which is engineer. P50, senior engineer. P60, principal engineer. P70, senior principal engineer. P80, lead principal engineer. P90, distinguished engineer. So there's kind of like quite a large uh, ladder there if you if you want to keep going up that far there are and as you go up that there's like like a lot less people at those levels like it's very i think quite difficult to get to p70 even is like a pretty rare role um so yeah lots lots of levels lots of well and in some ways that's like good or bad like i think it's good because like if you don't want to switch to people management you can still stay like in the technical track for forever, right? If you really wanted wanted to and keep having something that you could attain, you know, be promoted into. That those are interesting numbers too. Like cause yeah, like Augustus had said too, oftentimes it's just like the like engineer four, five, six, seven, eight, whatever, ten. That's interesting that Atlassians is a little bit different in that way. What about like rubrics? Do you have a sense like Stacy and Augustus and Gem too, like we can speak to Netflix? Do you have like a rubric to say like what a P70 uh engineer looks like and like what that entails? Like is it fairly clear and obvious for people to uh, understand? I-, I can start with this. I feel like I'm very familiar with this because I'm going through 
promotion process right now. And this is one of the things that Amazon was really, really good at. They have like an entire website dedicated to job leveling and how you can progress in your career. And they make it very, very clear what each job roles, levels, responsibilities are. And then also like, let's say you were trying to get promoted. What are kind of the expectations and they call these like moving to. So each of the job levels have has like a matrix of things that and they have this way of tying to leadership principles that Amazon has. But the expectation when you're moving to a new level isn't that you fulfill all of them, but you can demonstrate qualities in some of the things in this matrix. Um, so, so yeah, that's definitely one thing that Amazon has done really, really well from my perspective. I like a lot about that too, Augustus, in the sense that it's like very clear, everyone has access to it. That's important too, is like essentially with levels too, they're, they're instructions, like here's how you move up that ladder of levels. And so that's really helpful to all be on the same page. But I also like that you said for like promotions that they're not like it's not like a checklist, like that you have to meet all these criteria because that to me, it means that you're doing the job like you're perfectly doing the job. And it's like, wait, yeah. you still have room to grow in that role. So, yeah, that, that's cool. Yeah. And I guess um, similar for at last in each. Yeah. Each of those levels has criteria in based in categories. So. Um, like like engineering excellence, driving outcomes, leading and inspire, having customer impact. There's all these technical proficiency. There's like these categories. And then within those, there's very specific guidance on like, oh, if you, you know, were just graduated and this is your first job, your technical proficiency would be like, you know, you understand modern programming practices. But let's say you're, you know, a principal engineer, it's like, you are using expert your technical expertise to solve like difficult problems across teams, not just even like an individual team that you might be a part of. So like the impact is its scope is bigger. Um, so it's pretty specific. It's it's sometimes really overwhelming to like look at the the entire grid of things that you sort of need to kind of meet. Um, and it's not a checklist, though. I think like that's something they try and emphasize. Like you're not trying to just check off every single thing. It's like a few of the things from each of the categories, um, and it helps you to like pick for like for for growth. Cheers. Um, Cheers. It helps Cheers. you maybe pick some pick pick something you want to get better at, and that's like helpful towards like understanding what promotion looks like as well. Yeah, sim- similar to Netflix is like we, as we rolled out these levels, there's a bit of a rubric to outline the various levels. We have numbers. I guess I didn't even touch on that. We had introduced uh, engineering E3, E4, E5, E6, and E7. And and those are the engineering levels, um, which was interesting too, because we were going from senior software engineers across the board. We did have some technical directors that were very much an engineer and that was a role so there was a little bit of leveling for engineers but there wasn't a lot of that and it also needed to be clear if if we were doing that like how what does it entail to actually move up those levels and that's where we're at in the stage rolled that out last year now it's like working on those promotions too as like as more people kind of grow in some of these uh areas what does that look like yeah i think we were the Netflix was the last 
big company in Silicon Valley not to have levels? I mean, I think we might have been the last company in general not to have levels. I mean, of, even uh, some of the startups like that I've worked at and things like that, it might even just be like Augustus said, where it's like maybe like software engineers, uh, you know, or junior engineer, uh, senior engineer, like that type of leveling or principal staff. But yeah, there's most companies do have it. You're right. Yeah, just a sign of the times, you know, <laughs> it was an interesting rollout. We, you know, a little bumpy. It's a big change to engineering culture to suddenly assign levels. It was one of the things we, a lot of people, I think, really enjoyed about Netflix was like everybody's same level, whether it's your first day or your uh, 10th year, your your contributions still, uh, you know, they're still valued exactly the same. So, it, you know, it's a big culture shift to kind of continue that mindset where it doesn't matter if you're a new grad or you're a, uh, like a principal level engineer, your, your opinion matters, your voice matters, things like that. So that's, that's always a tricky balance to strike and not being like too hierarchical, which I've heard can go, I've heard some companies can go off the rails a bit where it's like, oh, the, the level 80 engineer said this, so that outranks whatever the level 20 engineer or something like that. How do you all... Is that is that an issue you've seen in the past uh, at companies with levels like that kind of uh, hierarchy? I, I personally have not seen it yet, but actually that was like I really appreciate my manager gave me some advice. Like uh, he told uh, he told me that when I was coming into Twitch, he was talking about how you know some people at Amazon take leveling very seriously. Like you know when you're speaking to an L six or an L seven, like you know they like really like prepare themselves and stuff. And he said to not let the leveling really take over um, and redefine like what you see fit for the role. Like, you know, you can set your own expectations of what you feel the role is. So, so yeah, I'm sure it definitely happens, but I hope no one like does that. I actually have a really funny story. Um, so I, I'm L5, I guess. But I didn't know. I, I didn't really know about this. And when I joined when I joined Twitch, someone came to me and he, and they're like, "Oh, hi, yeah, I'm the new. I'm I'm just a new L4, which I guess is like the low, the typical normal lowest level, which I didn't know. So I was like, "Oh my gosh, an L4! Oh, it's good to meet you. It's a pleasure to meet you, L4." And he's like, he's like, "Wait, what about you?" I'm like, "Oh, I must be an L1 or something." He's like, "Wait, there's no such thing as an L1." He's like, I think you're an L5. <laughs> I'm like, oh. <laughs> <Hi>. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so, yeah, I love that. L4. Yeah. I mean, they're just levels, right? You know, like they, I thought they, I was like, oh, you could have fooled me. You could have told me you were an L7 and, you know, sounds good to me, right? But, you know. But I think that's the right attitude that you even had, Augustus, like you weren't caught up, like similar to what your manager had given you advice is not getting caught up in that. And that is a fear of having these levels. And if people do almost respect the hierarchy, like that can get really messed up where um, I've already found like at Netflix, like I think we've always been pretty good about avoiding that hierarchy where even when we have leadership, right, where you have like manager director director, VP, CEO, whatever. We've always instilled that everybody's opinion matters. Like we want you to speak up because even that like, you know, that L4 coming to Augustus 
is likely going to catch things that you may not have thought of or their opinions or what they're sharing is very valid. And you don't want them to like hold back and be like, well, Augustus is an L5, so I better listen to him. And it's like, (laughs) we don't all have the answers, right? And so I think that's like important too to remember is that yes, that can be a big negative with levels is that it does form this hierarchy. And I think if you can try and avoid that where you're just like, no, like I want to question some of the decisions we're making. I think that goes a long way. And I think that's an important factor of it too. Yeah, I was gonna say I haven't seen too many. um, I haven't seen it at Atlassian. Yeah, where like, it's like this weird power dynamic like i'm a this and you are that and i have say it's i haven't seen that which has been nice um other companies i have seen some weird stuff like that where it was like you know the architect said it shall be this way and then like you have a whole team of people um that are like working day to day on the thing and are saying like this is not working and being overridden just because that person's you know position and so that that's gross because then you're just like not building maybe not using the right stack and the right technical solution and you're and but you're not listening to people that are working in it day to day and know why it's not working and that's when it starts to i think get kind of kind of gross um but i haven't i haven't seen that um mostly i've seen at least at Lassian, like the folks in these various levels, like they have like the technical proficiency they're in their day to day. Like no one's like abstracted away from the work so far that they're, you know, making proclamations or saying things without it being kind of backed up by like skills and experience. (laughs) So that's been good. The way to think about levels, at least to me is levels are, are not about your technical ability. Like that, that is an aspect for sure. And it's not even about what you do. It's about the expectations that we should have for you. So if you're a principal engineer, it doesn't mean you're necessarily smarter than everybody else. Well, generally you are. If you make principal, you're pretty good. But uh, Or you, you're really deep on some technology that other people don't know. But it's about how how we expect you to behave and how we expect you to treat others, how we expect you to to have like carry the values of the company. And that's, to me, what levels are all about. Not so much, oh, this person's a really great programmer because they're a level whatever. Uh, that is not as relevant, especially you get to the senior level where you can be a really, really good engineer and just say, you know what? I don't really want to do meetings. I don't really want to drive projects or be that person in front. I, what I really love is coding and solving these hard problems. So I'm going to stay at this particular level of senior software engineer, whatever level that is. Versus when you move up to like staff and principal and other titles like that, you do tend to code a little bit less. You are the one driving these meetings. You're driving much larger cross-functional projects. And that's okay. Uh, Everybody has their own comfort level. And I think it's important when you think about levels to find that as like, what's your balance? What makes you happy and satisfied in your role? But yeah, coming back to it, it... you, you have to have expectations and you have to have managers and directors and et cetera, like hold people accountable for the level that they're at. If you see someone at a really high level who's talking over people, not taking input from more junior engineers, then like call them out, call them out in front of everybody. Cause like that's maybe not in front of everybody, but like that's something that needs to be addressed because you are that kind of ambassador at, at higher levels. Yeah, I like what you said, Jem, too. I'll add on to it. It's like, I like what you said about the technical. I think, yeah, you you are a little more technical as you go, but like 
that doesn't become the factor of it. It's more about the impact that you're having. And like, so it could be mentorship, it could be leading efforts, but it really is you're broadening the impact that you have. And that, that to me is really what stands out to me. And I like that you said, hold people accountable to that too, because you don't just get given this level and then you're like, all right, cool. I'm just go back to my like normal, what I was doing. It's like, it is a bit of a role change. Like there are different expectations. I'd be curious to hear how you've all maybe seen levels being useful. I mean, in terms of like, I mean, there's career progression, right? So levels in in companies generally are associated with um, career progression, um, growing your skill sets and like, and then also different market value and salary and stuff too. So like the opportunity to, um, move into different pay bands and, and increase, you know, that, that's, you know, a thing that if there is none of the, if the, if the levels don't exist and everyone makes the same, like maybe that's fine too, but like, that's something that most companies associate like these different levels with different salary ranges as well. Promotions also, I think, um, bonus targets and stuff sometimes get bigger. Um, I guess to Jem's point, like sometimes the bonus target is bigger with a higher um, role that you have, because in theory you should be having greater impact than just your, let's say immediate team. Therefore, like maybe the bonus targets higher because you're, you should be having greater impact than just your team. Yeah. Actually, I kind of want to build on that. Uh, So somewhere where I've seen where it kind of, indirectly has added some benefit. Um, You know, a huge part of promotion is impact. And I've seen managers work hard to work with other managers to help find opportunities for their reports that they know are trying really hard to move forward in their promotion process. And, you know, for Amazon, I'm sure a lot of other companies have this, when you're building a promotion packet, you want to show that this individual contributor has done X amount of things. And sometimes you can use that as a way to talk to other managers and say, hey, I have Augustus. He's trying really hard to go for promotion. He's really close. What we really need is for him to lead a project. And this project looks really, really good. And it's it's a really good way to like kind of help managers prioritize and figure out who can help who can be the one to lead the project or who can, what resourcing can go where. I've seen that. It's, it's helped a lot with those kind of conversations. You know, it's it's not always really that ambiguous um, when it comes like a project comes, who should be the one leading it, who should be the one just helping out a little. Um, it's definitely helped with those kind of conversations. Yeah, it's levels are useful for, they're useful growth target. Cheers. 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 Especially on the, maybe the more junior end of your software engineering career, it's really hard to know how you should behave and what what expectations should you start building for yourself as you kind of progress over your, your career as a software engineer. So levels uh, with a rubric, of course, provide a really useful path on what to aim for. Uh, because a lot of the work that you do at a more senior and beyond level isn't always visible to other people. It's not necessarily in the form of pull requests or things like that. It's, you know, meetings and pulling people together and driving things forward where you're not necessarily actually doing any coding yourself. And that's not a lot of 
high visibility work. It's just a lot of that behind the scenes work. So it's helpful as someone a bit newer to have these kind of guideposts along the way to know, okay, this is what it takes to be an L4. This is what it takes to be an L5, et cetera. So that's helpful. And then on the more, uh, I guess, thinking more like a manager, it's useful for us to set salary bands. When we talk about compensation uh, across the industry, compensation is a really tricky thing to get right. It's kind of, it's not exact science. Um, it's half art, half science. But uh, having clear level guidelines along with expectations allow us to calibrate against other companies and the industry at a whole and say like, okay, at at a Twitch, this is what a, a C equivalent of an L5 does at, at our company. So we can like kind of calibrate, even though like the titles are usually pretty different across. So those are helpful too when, I, when we think about levels. Yeah, I like what you said, Jim, too. Like I think comp is an important one for just like trying to get it a little more focused or like narrowed down to being closer to being right. Another thing I think about is like the like um, equitability across for comp and even like someone's level is that there's clear expectations that everyone's somewhat following. I'm sure it's not to a T because there's always a little bit of nuance there, but the closer that you can get to a tight rubric, it, it does it kind of cuts down the bias. It's not perfect. I know it's still there. It's going to be there. But like, I think it gets a little bit better in the sense that you're not just like, oh, that that person's so great. We're going to make him and pay him so much money because he did X, Y, and Z. And I, I value that. And it's like, yeah, but as a company, we value these things and we've agreed upon these as a rubric. And so it does start to kind of cut and reduce some of that bias, which I think is really an important one that I've always thought of levels as a good one. Yeah, I think that was something that Atlassian was hoping to do with you know, having such a detailed rubric and defining those levels so in depth was like to try and yeah take away some of that that bias of just like making it you know manager specific and if, if how your relationship with them was or how they thought you did and and like trying to take abstract that away a little bit um and some could argue it's gone like too far like sometimes like the it's so detailed and so difficult that like you know some people um have complained like oh promotions are like arduous and really amazingly difficult to to get through because there are so many criteria to meet and and check off and like good or bad like you know that's that's something that's come out of that is people feel like it's like it's harder to get the promotion than to like go come in from the outside at that same, at that same level. Right. Yeah. No, I, I think there's a con definitely coming up for around promotions and levels. Like I think that it adds a lot more process to it, right? Like where it doesn't, you know, some companies only do it once a year or twice a year or whatever. Like it, there's schedules around it sometimes, not always, but that's now process that it's already putting steps for you to get promoted. So that can be harder versus you're right. Hey, we need an engineer on the team. Let's go hire that. And that's a said level that does kind of feel like a lot faster versus having to go through sometimes the promotion process. So I think that can be a little bit of a challenge around levels. I, I would call that one. Any other challenges that you all see? Like, I think that I've, I feel like there's a lot, but that one, the promotion one's a good one. Uh, a, a clear one that I, I think 
maybe we've all felt in some way is um, this concept called promotion-driven development. And <laughs> yes. uh, I, I'm, I'm jumping. I'm, I'm jumping to one of my picks, but I, I think this was this was a while ago, maybe two years ago. It was uh, uh, someone on Twitter, and they say like, when you ask yourself why did a company build seven of kind of the same product, he's like, this is what promotion-driven development looks like, and it's, and we see it in some of the larger companies where it's like, well, the PM wants a promotion, so they're gonna pr- they're gonna propose some product. Maybe it's a rehashing of an old idea. Maybe it's like, I don't know, some wild, wild thought they had. The engineers want to jump on that because the fastest way to get promoted is to have like the high visibility projects in your promotion packet. And then what happens is like everybody's working towards this promotion versus like betterment of the company, betterment of the product. Uh, And it becomes kind of this race to see how what projects you can attach yourself that will like boost your your ranking as far as promotion and bonuses and things like that. And like it's just like it's very anti-consumer. It's it's almost anti-company, but they seem to reward that still. So I, I don't know. This this is kind of a more of a mixed opinion on it could be good, it could be bad. But yeah, when there's some I forget the actual law, but it's something about like, you know, when the measure What's the rule when like the the measurement becomes the the benchmark or something like that? It ceases to be a good measure, something like that. I, I forget that quote, but it's that's about right. If everybody's angling for a promotion, and that's the measure of uh, how you're going to rank somebody if they're worthy or not, then it's not a good measure anymore. Uh, and that's somewhere we can go. You can go really, really wrong, where people just want the high visibility stuff, and no one does the maintenance work, the glue work, the tests, the documentation, the collaboration, uh, the stuff that like you absolutely need and is really engineering, but it's not seen by others. So people tend not to want to do it. But that's a downside I've seen of levels and promotion processes. I think some of those things, Jem, should just be in the criteria, like that you are writing documentation, you are writing tests, like that, that needs to just be baseline. Like that's an expectation because you're right. Like if you're not doing that, like that's a problem. So but yeah, we, we've seen some negatives where people, they try and get on the high visible project because that's going to help them get promoted. And and yeah, I think that we shouldn't incentivize that as companies, um, even though it happens. I think it's it'd be interesting on like certain like levels that you, it, it would be nice sometimes for them to get more focused on like, like front end. If you're doing front end development, if you put more stuff in there about like um, things about accessibility, things about, you know, rendering performance, things about uh, user experience. And if you put that kind of stuff in there, that's like customer focused, customer driven. You don't necessarily run into, I think hopefully like those problems where you're just inventing new products to like get promoted. It's like, it's really like you're focused on like the kind of thing that you do, but yet like customer focus. And I think that's like, a thing I don't see in in the levels um, defined, and there's stuff about like doing right by the customer and blah blah blah, but it's not specific enough that I feel like drives like some of the best behavior. Stacy, uh, I, I I really want to just piggyback off of that, especially since this is a front end happy hour podcast. I'm sure a lot of front end engineers can kind of identify with big tech companies working at big tech companies. They typically 
will put your job family in the basket of software engineer. And this, how you evaluate a software engineer may not be the best way to evaluate a front end engineer. You know, um, like the, I, I've told, I've definitely seen this where, you know, they, there are sometimes expectations of like system des, system design for like higher levels. And you, you may not need to do that as a front end engineer. Like a lot of the work you do may be in the application layer, but there's a lot you need to do there, you know, to optimize rendering performance, just all these different things you could be optimizing for. And it, it's not that it doesn't get recognized. It's just, there's not really a criteria in the job leveling matrix that will speak to that. Um, so I, I've seen some big companies, they had to break it out into a different job family. Um, and that, and that sometimes is good. Sometimes it's, but sometimes it's not good because maybe that job family has a lower pay band, et cetera. That's a good point too. Yeah. And I think it's not even just front end. There's like software engineering is a lot of things, but you're right too, is like, yeah, that could be a downside too, is if, if your mobile engineers paid less, which, you know, if, if I'm just throwing that out there and that's what you category you fall into, that could be kind of painful. Another one that I was thinking of too, similar to like how we're talking about levels, one that I've seen is externally like people are trying to get like these levels so that they can brand themselves like on LinkedIn or on their resume for the next job and that's fine like I kind of get it but oftentimes I don't know that that really is always great either because you don't have a ton of insight into that person until you really interview them. And so I think there's oftentimes people are just fighting for that next level um, to go out and get a better offer. And so that can be a bit of a negative too, is that people are so driven by that level that they're missing out on like, what's the impact that you're having on the work that you're actually doing. Yeah. That, that external piece is, is a good one because even, even I'd say all across our companies represented here on the podcast, Senior software engineer means very different things. Yep. So like you, you say like, okay, levels, titles, what's the actual benefit there? And that, that falls on like the hiring manager to be like, okay, Stacy is a principal software engineer. What does that mean exactly? And they have to do the research. And I mean, for being honest, a lot of people won't. Like you could be a front end engineer with no senior in your title or, or anything. And you could be awesome. You could be absolutely be at the senior level. But because you don't have that title, then, you know, you're, you kind of screwed when it comes to interviews and like starting salaries, things like that. So that's a good call out that kind of levels and titles are not the same across, across the board. Or that you might not even, ha you might be at a company that doesn't have levels, right? And so then do you artificially just slap levels on your title, which I don't know, like, because it, it, you're right, Jim, like you might get ignored just for having front end engineer when really you are absolutely senior, but that's just not a level that you have at your company. Another downside is, and I, I'm conflating titles and levels a bit here, but I've seen and heard of companies giving you a title or even a level, but no actual money is involved or even like a bigger scope necessarily. It's like, good job, Augustus. Now you're Padawan level software engineer. You're like, what does that mean? They're like, nothing. But it's a feel-good title to make you feel good. Which We promoted you. We promoted yeah, you. Yeah, like, you're it's promoted. Cool. 
but there's no, but there's no money or anything else involved in that promotion. Maybe you just have more work. Uh, I've seen and heard of that enough that that's a downside of levels as, you know, detaching that from, you know, real world compensation or, or even bigger scope, things like that. Yeah. That's why, that's why I feel like you shouldn't, don't obsess over the titles. And, you know, I guess there's some merit to it where if you're looking for another job, then sure you can try, but like, yeah, I, I've totally seen, um, and I, I hate to say this because this is happening right now, but during layoffs, I've seen companies like their most senior engineers left their team. And so to retain employees, they'll start giving promotions, say, hey, you know, you're clearly the most senior person now. We really recognize everything that you do. We can't give you a pay raise just yet. But hey, you're the most senior. That's what you've been wanting, right? And yeah, help us fight the good fight or, or something like that. And it, it's just, yeah, it's a really unfortunate situation. And and you have to really ask yourself, does it make you feel that much better now that you're senior? I think that's one of the biggest messed up things about levels is that, or titles, I think like I'm going to conflate them, like Jem said too, is kind of lump them together, is that we are chasing those. Like, it's like, it's just like in everyone kind of like looks at those in those ways into like what Augustus just said. It's like so icky. It's like, you're like, oh, cool. I got moved up. But you're like, yeah, you have more responsibilities now. You didn't get any more pay. We just kind of gave you that title. And it's like, at the end of the day, what does it matter? It's like, do you like the work that you're doing? Are you growing? I absolutely think is an important one. Like I care about growth in myself. Cheers. 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 But just having a level or title, it doesn't really, it kind of signifies to others that you've grown, but like, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day, as long as you are learning and building up how you are growing as an engineer or manager, or whatever it is. But we get really hell bent and stuck on these like levels and titles. It's it's weird. I wonder, I was going to ask if, if any of you have experienced this. I've heard this a decent amount. I've, I've experienced it a little bit that you sometimes as part of like an underrepresented group, you get taken more seriously if your if your role is is like higher um and not i don't know how to explain it it's just like if you introduce yourself as like senior blah engineer then they're just like oh now i can take you seriously it's like there's something about that where until the person knew your level they just assumed you're not that great or good at something um and i think that's bias and you know all the isms that you can think of. Um, but I've heard that be a factor for a lot of people. And I actually got, there was like a Twitter thread once where people were talking about like, why are people putting, you know, their, their title and their Twitter um, bio. And it was, well, I was like, well, like I've done it because then, you know, sometimes people actually like, will take you more seriously because somehow that matters. That's a great point, Stacy. It almost carries this weight and can make someone, which sucks that it, they have to feel like that. Like, but there's nothing wrong with doing that. I, I did also see that on Twitter where people were like questioning people with like a PhD doing that. And I'm like, man, if you've got a PhD in software engineering, put it on your like LinkedIn, Twitter, <laughs> that is badass. Good for you. Like, that's awesome. But like people were hating on that. And it's like, no, that like someone's earned that. And so like, 
that's cool too. And so, yeah, if it helps you show up better or like people take you more seriously, then that's great. Like leverage that. Like, I don't think that's a negative thing. And it's nice to see, um, you know, like as for me example, it's nice to see like under like women in higher engineering positions because there's a lot fewer of them. So it's to like actually have visibility into that. It's like, oh, cool. Like there's some, you know, something to look up to or something to, you know, it's possible. (laughs) Absolutely. So we talked a lot about levels, what they mean in our companies and even people maybe getting promoted in the company. But what about people coming into a company? Maybe what's like one piece of advice that you would give to someone coming to a new company, looking at like levels like we just talked about with three companies on this podcast right now, they're varying degrees of levels. What's a engineer that's interviewing across multiple companies? How should they be thinking about levels as they're interviewing? Maybe not so much the leveling aspect, but but it does tie into it. Like whenever I look for opportunities, I want to think happens to be our keyword. I like to talk about the growth opportunities on the team. Cheers. 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 Because that will definitely lend itself to getting you to higher levels if need be. Um, And I think that's like what's really important. Like how will this team grow and what is the scope of the team and how those are kind of the things that I kind of look at. And I, I highly advise people to do because that's definitely helped me um, when, when I've like been looking around and I've been looking at a company. I'll, I'll, I'll also say that, you know, one of the reasons I left my old company, um, new one was I actually, I actually wanted a company with levels that were very well defined because I was a little, I'll, I'll be honest, I was a little frustrated because it wasn't clear how to move up and progress. It felt very wishy-washy. And I've seen people just get promoted and I'll be honest, I don't know how they, I don't know why they got promoted, but they, they just did. And that isn't to say they didn't deserve it, but I just didn't understand. And it was never clear to me what I had to do to get promoted. So that's, I, I think that's like one of the benefits of we, we, of course, we've talked about a lot of the cons, but uh, that is a benefit. I'd say if you're joining a, a company with levels before you get to the offer stage, like let's say you clear the interview and you do well, before you get to the offer stage, it, it is really uh, important that you make sure the hiring manager and the recruiter and anybody else involved in that decision-making uh, tree understands the the level that you are and the level you're coming from. And if you have one from your company, share it with them because you can get misleveled. That's a really... Um, I hate to say it, but it's it's a practice companies use by misleveling someone or underleveling them to pay them less than they're actually worth. Um, it, yeah, that happens a lot, especially to you know underrepresented people. That's a very very common practice. So it, it's really important on for your own sake and pay to make sure they understand the scope and responsibilities that you had at your previous role, and if you can point them to uh, some specific rubric or criteria, that goes a long way. And then. Make sure you get theirs in return. And if there's a mismatch there, if they're like, hey, you're a level four and you're like, actually, I was already at this level doing this really well at my last company. I'm actually a six on this. And like, you know, push back on them. It's it's really important you understand kind of where you're at. And it's also vice versa. Uh, you know, if you said you're a senior software engineer and you've never led a project on your own, you know, I'm going to question if you're that level coming in. But 
I mean, and I'll give you like the the level criteria in kind of that that process and say like, well, based on this, this is why I'm leveling you. But just you know, transparency across the board and being open with that will really go a long way when you're when you're joining a company with levels. Yeah, just sort of like what Jem was saying, if you're kind of aware of what skill sets you bring, the experience that you have, um, maybe as an example, we were talking earlier about people like wanting to just code and not have broader responsibility. Like maybe you are at a higher level and you're not enjoying that anymore. That's great. If you're aware of that. And then when you go to another company, you can say, you know, I don't want to be um, this architect level. I want to be, you know, senior engineer because I know that I want to be hands-on with code and it'll, it'll just help you like refine your job search sometimes. Cause at least even if the jobs sometimes are different across companies, at least it can help you find something that you'll be more happy at because you know what that, that role entails. So self-awareness, I guess, is, is a good part of that process. I like that. Uh, you guys all have such good advice. It's really hard to follow. I'll maybe add on that just as much as like asking questions and understanding the level and understanding your potential growth, all that is really great. Cheers, I guess. But I, another thing to add too is like, do your research. There's a lot of this information that we're all talking about of like a lot of the companies that do have levels, they do publish details. But yeah, a lot of those things, you can find a lot of this information and you should be asking those questions from the recruiter, the hiring manager, um, even the team, like what level they are asking them, like what, you know, what are expectations of you? And so I think a lot of that is just like making sure to understand what you're signing up. All right. Well, in each episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast, we like to choose picks to share with all of you, just things that we found interesting and want to share with you all. Stacy, you want to start it off? Sure. Got two music picks today. The first one is called Wall of Sleep by Daniel Avery and High. Um, it's a collab between them. Avery described it as a cave in which to get lost, drawn towards a burning light, hopeful steps forward, flanked by your favorite people in case hear of Manny D and the returning soaring voice of High. Um, it's a very like multi-textural layered uh, song, so really good with headphones. Um, the next one is A Model of Reality, a Sebastian Veyon remix. It's a Max Cooper and Kote, uh, Kotami song that, um, this one's really interesting. That, uh, Max Cooper, the label Mesh that he runs, they have this Discord um, community where they try and explore the intersection of music and science and art. And so this remix is actually like, he put the song out there and said, I want you all to remix it or do whatever, you know, um, artistic, uh, remix of it that you want. And then this guy, Sebastian Mayon, who's a musician and visual artist, um, remixed it. So he did a video and, a, a sonic remix of it. And that's what this link is. And it's pretty great. Right on. Augustus, what do you have? Yeah, I have uh, two picks. One, my first one is um, a conference talk at DEF CON 18 uh, called Pwned by the Owner uh, by the guy who goes by the screen name Zaz. Uh, this is a super famous talk, so maybe most people have seen it. It's about, um, for people who don't know, DEF CON is um, a hacker's conference. Um, and this was a very legendary talk of this guy who had his desktop computer stolen and he was able to effectively like SSH back into his machine 
and he collected enough personal data about the person who stole it to go to the cops and get a seize search and seizure warrant warrant for them to like go and say, hey, this is my desktop PC. And it's a very, very entertaining talk. So um, highly recommend. It also teaches you the importance of security. Um, and then my next pick is a blog post about Amazon leveling, what you need to know. Um, I can neither confirm nor deny whether these are true, but um, it, it gives a pretty good background of like what the levels are at Amazon and not only like the criteria of each level, but also like the moving to criteria. And I encourage you to like, when you look at companies, like try to look for these kind of articles about um, those criteria, because it'll give you kind of a good sense of like, okay, what are the expectations for a specific level? But then what are also the expectations of if I wanted to get promoted? Like, what do I have to do? What, what do I have to demonstrate? Yeah, I, I really encourage you to do that. Right on. Jim, what do you have? I've got three picks for us today. My first pick is that, that tweet I referenced, which kind of brought this uh, term to, uh, to my mind and it really made me think about it ever since I read about it, which is that concept of promotion-driven develop, development. And I've, uh, I've linked it to uh, the Twitter. Uh, I cannot pronounce this name, Jurgely or, or Rosa. I shouldn't even try it. But uh, I'll, I'll link the tweet in the, uh, the show notes. But it's a really good insight into kind of how leveling and promotion process can go the wrong way. Um, and it's just like good to think about as we think about career, career progression in tech and where we're going next. My second pick is uh, a blog post by uh, Bart Ronsky. It's called The Insider Guide to Tech Interviews. I really enjoy it because it's, it's pretty thorough, but it's not fluff either. It's not like, here are top 10 tips, you know. Uh, like the grifters on Twitter like to like to promote it's it's a really down to earth guide on you know like what are what are interviewers looking for how should you behave what are questions you should ask things like that uh, I, I like it because it's just straight to the point and my third pick is um, oddly controversial now I, I don't know how this happened but you know America uh, induction cooking uh, apparently it's become political <laughs> about gas stoves being bad for you and induction cooking and all that. I don't know how that happened. I, I don't know. Come on, America. We don't have to make everything political. But anyways, I converted from uh, a gas stove to from induction because our gas stove kind of sucked. Uh, we didn't have a hood vent. I also thought it was weird to have combustion inside your house without any sort of ventilation mandated. It, it's a weird, weird thing. Um, yeah, the science doesn't really make sense. But anyways, oh man, induction cooking is so great. It, it is, water boils in like two minutes. And I mean like a big pot. It's it's so much easier. Like the pots heat up, up and down like instantly. There's no like, oh, I got to wait for it or not. Um, the handles never get hot versus gas cooking. You know, you need like a oven mitts to grab your handles because it can heat up the, oven, the, the sides as well. Induction, like, man, I wish I'd done it years ago. The downsides are it's super expensive because you need an electrician to run new cables. An induction stove, a good one, is pretty expensive. But man, I'm never going back. Like I know people swear by gas, but they've never used induction because it's so much better. It, it, it's the future, and Europe's like already ahead of us. Uh, I hope America catches up. 
And those are my picks. Right on. I have two picks. One, which actually is similar to Augustus's, I reference levels.fyi. I think it's just a really great site to get some insights into what companies do and how they level. It's not perfect. Then they they give some information on salary bands and everything. I always kind of notice that it's not perfect, but it's it's fairly good. And it will give you some information and some insights into companies maybe before you're talking to them if you are interviewing with them. So definitely check that one out. And then funny one here is I bought my daughter. She's almost two. I bought her a toothbrush and it, the coolest little toothbrush it ha- plays music, but also like knows when they're brushing. It tra- turns into this like little game. It's quote unquote smart. It's not like it doesn't connect to anything. And it was $10. It's not like the, you know, gold toothbrush that gem actually that was toothpaste that you suggested many, many times ago for a Valley Silicon. But yeah, it's really cool. It worked like she just like right away was like, oh, OK, like brush up and down. And like it was pretty impressive, like in two minutes of using it, she's on her on her own brushing her teeth. So really cool toothbrush that if you have kids, uh, I mean, you could use it as an adult if you really want to. It was a baby shark one that I have. So I, maybe you like that song and want to hear it while you brush your teeth. All right. Well, that's all we have on this episode. Thank you all for listening. You can find us on Twitter at FrontendHH. You can find us at FrontendHappyHour.com. Listen to us on whatever you like to listen to podcasts on. Any last words? We should be like banks in, in tech and just name ourselves VP. Like everybody's VP of software here <laughs> across the board. Yes. Yes. Thanks, VP, Jim. <laughs> <laughs>